On this episode of the Macworld Podcast, it's all about your hot takes. You have thoughts on the MacBook Air, the next iPhone, folding iPhones, and more. Let's hear what you have to say coming up next. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola, here with Jason Cross. Good morning. And Michael Simon. Good morning, sir. I forgot what I was supposed to say, sorry. <laughs> what, what do I usually say? Oh, oh, sir. Sir. That's, what I say. Right? That's what you usually say. That's what you usually say. I know so. a involved. <laughs> uh, this episode is all about reader hot takes. You have thoughts on Apple News and articles we've written. And we're going to share and respond to what you wrote. All of the comments mentioned in the show can be seen in the show notes for this podcast on Macworld.com. So let's get started. The first topic is about MacBook Air throttling. Uh, I recently wrote an article about all the hot air being blown about the so-called throttling issue with the MacBook Air. It seemed to be a hot topic at the time, and I think I'm out of puns for that one. <laughs> Paul Neiser sent an email that said, completely agree with all the throttle press is over the top, and that if it's impacting anyone, they are using the wrong computer. My MacBook Air, even after it reaches throttling speeds, is still significantly faster than my mid-2018 MacBook Pro. James Wager sent an email with a different take. He said that everyone knows that the MacBook Air is largely targeted at students. And yet there are many different kinds of students, including graphic design majors who use Adobe and video editing apps. Engineering students may also use apps that are very taxing on the computer, they need a fast and light and low-priced computer, and it's indisputable that the MacBook Air is targeted at college students. So to say that only people who should use the MacBook Air are people who do casual web browsing or Mac Microsoft word processing or GarageBand is a flawed understanding of what this computer is about. He also said you cannot criticize anyone for conducting 8K video tests because Apple touts those, those same tests for the M2 chip. Uh, and he does agree that if that's your primary primary job to work in video and stuff, you should use a high-end MacBook Pro. But, you know, if, if Apple's touting it, then it's fair game is what sure. uh, James is essentially saying. Yeah, that's I think that's right. But I think our point was, my point was, wasn't necessarily that Apple shouldn't be doing that. It's that people are saying, oh, look, the MacBook Air is throttling. The MacBook Air is throttling. And we're saying, yeah, it, it's throttling. They always have. It does that, yeah. Like every MacBook Air going all the way back to every Intel MacBook Air was faster at first. And if you did a very sustained high-end workload, got a bit slower. Like every Intel chip does that on every Windows and everything else. And it, uh, this expectation that suddenly they don't do that now that it's Mac Apple Silicon just isn't true. The M1 one did that. Like they all, they all do that. This, this is something new. The real question is if when it throttles, when it goes 10% slower or 15% slower, is it still wicked fast? <laughs> like, is it still absurdly fast for this like fanless computer <laughs> that's like editing AK video or something like that? Like, yes, it is. Like, put it up against any Intel thin and light laptop of the same sort of weight and stuff editing AK video. That doesn't quote quote that doesn't throttle, even though yes, they, of course they do. But like, put it up against any of those; it's just going to smoke them. It's not that it doesn't throttle; it's that yes, so what? 
Like even, quote, throttled, it's fine. But it reminded me of something. Roman, you'll you'll remember this because you were the one knee-deep in this. It was three years ago or something. There was a MacBook Pro that was released that did have a real throttling issue where they had yes. the thermal setting steps set wrong in the BIOS, or not the BIOS, but in their in the firmware for the for the MacBook Pro and it it, it lost like 30% or something of its performance after a certain amount of time. It just like and it wasn't it wasn't clocking to its normal expected clocks or any of that other stuff and Apple actually issued an update that fixed that. That was like we had a setting wrong cuz cuz there's like a million different thermal settings for Intel chips for like at what power and at what heat do we do what speeds and all this other stuff and they literally had it set wrong. That's a that's a thermal throttling issue worth caring about, right? Like that was extreme and it was a wrong setting and all that other stuff. The fanless computer goes 10% slower after you grind on it like crazy for 10 minutes is like, is not a thing. Like, yeah, they all do. It's, it's expected. It's, it's still stupid fast. Just it's fine. Yeah. And Apple, I mean, this is literally by design, the MacBook air M1, M2, and all the ones that came before it, they, they're, they're fanless. They're quiet. They're made for people who don't do those types of things. And, Maybe Apple is running 8K benchmarks and, and putting them. I don't know if they are on this machine, but that's not. Well, they're touting that it's capable of sure. doing this stuff. Like, oh, look, oh, we do and 8K ProRes. I mean, the fact that they were able to get yeah. those results mean that it is. I just think it's it's somewhat disingenuous when you take an $1,100 laptop or $1,200 laptop and run it through these tests that you know a $3,000 laptop might struggle with and say, well, look what's happening. And, you know... Right. We we are immersed in this stuff, so we know that that's BS. But there's a lot of people that don't that watch these videos. Like, well, I'm not getting that machine because of this and that. And I think it's. I actually even think it's fair to look at that and say, like, look what happens. But that's they're making a big deal out of it, and it's not like, oh, you know, uh, if I hey, if I put in these 8K Canon RAW files and do all this other stuff. It runs great, and then suddenly it starts stuttering and turns into an ugly mess. It doesn't do that. It goes like ten or fifteen percent slower right. on a render time test. Like it's not even like oh, the system becomes unresponsive and hangs and everything stutters. None of that happens. Like your your system remains fluid and usable and all this other stuff, and the render time just takes a little bit longer, a little bit longer. Not like not even like whole oh, wow, twice as long or anything. So this is not thermal throttling problems are problems in computing, but that's not what this is. Like this is not a problem. This is not like you're losing half your performance or things are stuttering or there's lockups or any of that kind of stuff. Like this is not we're not in problem territory at all. So yeah, I mean know that that happens and just be okay with it because it's okay. That said, and I don't know if you have any responses to this article, but we did run an article saying that the twelve hundred dollar MacBook Air is somewhat hindered. Not so much by the by the M2 chip, but by other other decisions that Apple has made. The the thermal throttling wasn't the problem there. The fact that they put one that they have one SSD chip with half as much bandwidth going to it, which cuts the SSD performance in half 
I think that's more of an issue because now your SSD on that computer is actually slower by a lot than the M1 MacBook Air that you would have bought for $999. You can still buy it for $999, yeah. You still buy it for $999. So like $200 less, they they, they took a big step back in SSD. It's still a pretty fast SSD. It's not like garbage or anything, but it's a big step back that they kind of didn't tell anyone about and were very quiet about. Like everyone had to discover this. And it's it's in the MacBook Pro and the MacBook Air at the um, the base model, the 256 gigabyte model. They both have a single yes. 256 yeah. gigabyte chip and it, it runs significantly slower. Now, are you going to see that every day? No. But mm. you're more likely to see that over time. And by you by you know doing somewhat non-taxing work with bigger files than you are. Yeah, that's just the thing. Just like a simple file copy or something like that literally will take twice as long. I mean, we're not talking about a 10% performance thing after five minutes of grinding really heavy thing. We're talking about immediately half the performance all the time. So that that to me is a bigger deal than a fanless computer going 10% slower after you do really heavy work on it for five minutes straight. So don't buy the entry-level model is what we're saying. Get at least... The SSD upgrade. Honestly, you shouldn't be buying a new Mac with 256 gigs anyways. You're going to regret that later. <laughs> Just not a lot of storage. Yeah, it's not a lot of storage unless you're really relying on that cloud storage or an external drive. That mm-hmm. that 256 gigabytes yeah, it, is it seems like a lot. Not a lot. But, um, like on, on, on your phone... It's a it's ridiculous a ridiculous amount of space that you don't need, <laughs> but on on a Mac. Oh yeah, come on, we got one terabyte phones. Yeah, now. right. We have probably two terabytes next month. Um, but like I thought, so I had a MacBook. I want to say the 13 inch I bought like five years ago, and I had 256. And yeah, by the end of it, like you're constantly deleting files, up offloading files because you're it's always getting that pop up that says that you're running out of space. And once you go to 512, then you get the better chip. You get the better storage and everything's happy. Mm-hmm. You better, you better plug. You get a you get a thirty a thirty watt thirty five. True, watt you get plug. the better plug. You so get everything's every... better when you get more storage. <laughs> but even that entry level model, I mean, you can just you can just pick just the SSD upgrade, right? I, um, although for what it costs, I don't think you should. Can you? Is that true? <laughs> yeah, I think you can go to kit the configurator and that would add, add two hundred dollars, which is basically the yeah. You might price. as well. Yeah. yeah. Why would you? I'm not sure Apple would even let you. Can we just talk about how insane Apple's upgrade prices are? Like how? Yes. Like getting more RAM, getting more storage, any of that is bonkers. Yeah, it's two hundred extra bucks. You can get it. Yeah, you can. That's that. Don't do that. Just spend the extra hundred dollars. So it's thirteen ninety nine. Spend fourteen ninety nine and get the better chip. Apple's upgrade prices, especially for RAM, have always, always. been kind of outrageous because yeah. we've always, back in the day when you could swap out your own RAM, we used to say, you yeah, know, yeah, buy was, third party worse, RAM. It was worse back then. Like it's, it's yeah, it's but there was a solution. <laughs> now yeah. there's no solution. But even just the SSD, two hundred bucks more to go from two fifty six to five twelve is crazy. Like fast M.2 drives are a fraction of that price. Like, yeah. So, so Apple's upgrade pricing remains, remains as ever. Absolutely insane. That said, you should, you, you should spend the money. <laughs> <laughs> that said, you don't have a choice. That said, don't get the entry level. Yeah. Well, you do have a choice. You can suffer with the lower capacity or the lower RAM configuration. 
sticking to the sort of, I guess, CPU kind of idea, in July, Jason wrote an article that predicts what we could expect from the A16, the processor that will probably be in some models of the iPhone 14. Uh, yeah, maybe however, just the, the Pro. Hmm. Yeah, maybe just the Pro models. Uh, but um, it seems like there's a vocal number of readers who don't prioritize the processor when deciding to upgrade or not. At Americrat for me tweeted, I upgrade for camera improvements. To the extent chip speed support that, well, that's well and good. The last few iterations have been plenty fast for other activities. At DM me your dogs tweeted, out of any reason I pick a new phone, the processor is dead last. Even behind color, I noticed zero improvements in performance. At Breck the Hyena tweeted, I love these Twitter names. I can tell you, I can do, I can do a whole show of just you reading our Twitter, our Twitter followers' handles. I know. <laughs> I really have no reason to upgrade from my 11. 120 hertz would be nice, but honestly, I'm not looking, I'm not hooking it up to a game monitor and keyboard, so I'm honestly confused why I or most anyone need a faster phone. Yeah, I think there is some truth to the fact that processing speed has gotten to a point where it's fast enough for a lot of people. Yeah, but uh, well, two things. One, the point is, Jason wrote a story because Apple is coming out with a new processor, and we were talking about. It. Sure. No, <laughs> that, I no mean, reason they, they're to, to attack. Yeah, I don't think they're complaining about the article, but they are. Saying, no, they're not complaining about the article, right? You know, as somebody who's super into this stuff, I fully agree that sort of where Apple's at with CPU and GPU performance on the phone is, and for that matter, the watch is totally fine. But a new A16 processor or something isn't just those. Uh, It's RAM, it's battery life. It has the image signal processor. It has video encoders and decoders. It has the neural engine. And so many of those things do things like give you better photos, give you better video, give you better whatever. And the rumors, anyways, of these appearing in the iPhone 14 Pros and the Pros having those 48 megapixel wide cameras and stuff does go hand in hand. So, yeah, who cares what its Geekbench CPU score is? But if it's got a much faster ISP and a lot faster neural engine and gets better battery life, that's all still, quote, the processor. But it's really my phone lasts longer and has better camera, which people do care about. Yeah, and on this year, as you wrote in the article, and that article, and several articles since then, that the iPhone 14 Pro is going to get that present, and the iPhone 14 probably won't. Right. So pointing out those differences, you know, particularly battery life, like we there was a rumor, I think, on Monday, mm-hmm. that the iPhone 14 Pro could get another hour to two hours extra of battery life, and that really creates like a gulf now between the two phones, if that's true. Yeah, and it's hard to know what that comes from because it could also be a little bit bigger battery inside versus processor that's more battery efficient, a little bit of both, who knows, that screen. Mm-hmm. Part of it is they're going to a display that's a little bit different to enable the always-on display, but it could be more efficient when it's just on yep. and operating, just, you know. Yeah, it's going to be able to dial down to one hertz instead of 10 or 12, what it is, whatever it is now. So, yeah, that, that could add to it. Every, like, couple of minutes, add all those up, it could be cool. Yeah, so all these things could be part of what makes it have great battery life. I mean, shoot, that's one of the things that's great about the iPhone 13 is that battery life is killer. <laughs> yeah. So if they if they can do better than that, 
even more killer. Yeah. Just, just absolutely awesome. Just they just got to bring that to the watch next. <laughs> Sticking to phones, uh, our colleague David Price, who's in the UK, and when we record this, it's it's after hours for them. So, uh, actually, he's on vacation this week, right? This week is on vacation, but normally that would be true. This week he has two excuses for not being right. Okay. <laughs> well, he wrote a column about the folding phone market and Apple's absence in, the, in that market. David points out that Apple doesn't care about being first to market. It prefers to be best in the market. But it's a little odd that we haven't heard much at all outside of like patent filings about a folding iPhone. But based on some feedback we got from our readers, they don't really care about a folding phone. At Frank Hertz tweeted, there is no reason to make or own a foldable phone. At NJ Gorel tweeted, no one is asking one. And here's a Twitter name for you. At Jim Eli 20296935 tweeted, I've seen the folding phones. Yuck. Apple is doing the right thing. Based on some reports, these folding phones are becoming very much more mainstream. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and yeah. So Samsung says they they sold ten million of them, and people tweet stuff, and you know they're cool still, kind of. I I agree with David, and I also disagree with him. Like I understand that we're four years into this now. Mm-hmm. When Apple came out with the watch, so Samsung was first to that. Well, not Samsung. There were other ones, but Samsung was the first like main smartwatch that people actually were interested in and bought. And it took Apple a year or two to come come into the thing. Had Apple waited four or five years to release the Apple Watch, I'm not sure it would have been as big of a, of a hit. If Apple comes out with a folding phone in 2026, 20, 25, like, I, I don't know what that looks like. And may, maybe they never do it. Yeah. I, I, maybe they I, just I, say, this isn't this isn't a thing. It's not going to catch on. And we're not going to waste it. See, I think that's, that's more likely is that pros and cons of a folding phone are not in the favor it's you're not in people's favor. They look cool and they let you have kind of a small screen sometimes and a bigger screen sometimes, but they give you durability issues with the hinge and waterproofing issues. And it's hard to get a case that works with that. And this is the first one that had like a decent camera. Yeah. Then after the years go, go on the, the screen gets like weird hinge issues and stuff. And, and, you're splitting the internals so you can't have as much battery in there. And then there's battery life. Like all these folding phones have really kind of mid-range processors and stuff like that because uh, they have to be really conscious about battery because they've got like less battery than they yeah, would. The smaller ones do. The The Z Fold has the, what is the 8 Gen 1? That has the, the top of the line. But yeah, I, I hear you. But it's big. Um yeah. It's big. It's very thick. Yeah. Um, it still doesn't properly close. Like there's like a little yeah. gap when it closes. It's kind of like a wedge of sorts. And it's 1800 bucks. <laughs> right. That's that's the, that's the other thing. thing. It's like one of the reasons yeah. these are getting more popular worldwide is because there are versions of them that are more affordable now than they used to be. And they're not, they're not the best. The good ones are real expensive. I don't think foldable in general is useless. I just think it's not good for a phone for all of those reasons. I think something like a foldable iPad that goes from a small iPad to a big iPad could have a lot of value. I think there's a lot of times when you're just reading a book or something like that and you just want this small thing or you want it folded up to fit in a smaller bag or something. And then you, but you want that big iPhone, iPad display when you're doing content consumption or whatever, you know, whiteboarding, something like that. 
And you're not concerned with like, oh, this won't fit my pocket because I folded it. It's thick now. And, and you don't have to worry. But there's a lot fewer people like slapping cases on them and dropping them on the pavement and stuff because you're not walking around with it in your hand all the time. So many of the drawbacks of being folding aren't as big a deal when you step up the size to a tablet. It's not that I think folding is never going to happen. I just think I agree with our readers who seem to say like, yeah, that's fine. I don't need a folding iPhone. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. But I do think the space needs Apple. I, I disagree. I think the space can go away. I think Apple can ignore it oh, well, and just sure. let it go if away. If it goes away, it goes away. But if it doesn't, if it's yeah. a thing. Well, let it be niche forever. Who cares? Show everyone where, 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 where Apple doesn't need to chase every niche. Let it, let it be niche forever. Let Samsung own 10, 15, 20 million global sales of folding phones a year and Apple keep selling more iPhones. That's fine. I'm, yeah. Well, the, the space needs Apple, but Apple doesn't need the space. This is what you, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's a good way to put it. If, if we, if folding phones are to become a really big thing, a common thing, Apple needs to do one, but do they need to become a thing? And does Apple need that? And I would say no. Yeah. What David poses in the story later on that in 10 years, mm-hmm. so we're not the, we're at the iPhone 25, 24. <laughs> like, what does it look like? Is it the same thing? Is it a candy bar phone with a camera and, and, and you know, an a whatever 20 processor, or is it something different? And I, I venture to say that, in 10 years. So what what has the iPhone been? 15 now? So in 10 years from now, I think that we will have something vastly different. And maybe that is a folding phone. And maybe it's not maybe it's something else. I don't well, know. Well, are maybe it's a headset. Are laptops vastly different than 15 years ago or 20 years ago? I mean, they're thinner and stuff, but they're fundamentally sure. the same sure. thing. They're fundamentally sure. a, a monitor, a folding in half, monitor on top, keyboard on the bottom, pointing device. Like and so yeah, I don't necessarily think that it would be different. I think though, I think Apple's bigger interest is in new markets. Like you can involve this candy bar phone forever, but you know, uh, when we're at the iPhone twenty five, it's going to be like, yeah, it stays in your pocket most of the time, and you use your AR headset, like or something, your glasses, your something, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we might see longer product cycles for the iPhone because. The product just so mature by now, by then. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Like, or at least to where laptops are. I mean, you can look at the age of laptops and say we're already more than a decade beyond the iPhone, and we still get a new laptop almost every year, maybe every year and a half or something. And sometimes there are minor updates, and sometimes they're not. But you know, that's that's probably what a mature phone, a really mature phone market looks like. They still get improvements. They still get updates. Ten years from now, we'll all have implants, and then we'll just use the AR goggles. Yeah, not even; they're just they're our eyes, bionic eyes, <laughs> right? Have laser right. eyes. I mean, just I think Apple. If Apple sold contact lenses that you can just put on your eyes, people would people would totally buy those and have little Apple symbols in their eyes. <laughs> Speaking of wearables, thanks for the uh, segue. Rumor has it that next year Apple will replace AirPods. The uh, Connector on the charger uh, with USB-C, replacing the lightning connector. This probably has a lot to do with the EU, the European Union's law, that makes USB-C mandatory as a charging port. I picked this story because I thought people would be happy to see lightning go, but there were some vocal readers on Twitter who think otherwise. 
at Drew Splat tweeted that this is disappointing. USB-C is terrible. Huh. Terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at JD Tweeter tweeted, it seems Lightning has a way better design than USB-C. Too bad they have to switch to an inferior port and plug. I didn't know that USB-C was this bad. Is it really that bad? Bigger. Lightning. Li- well, I think. All right. So. Marginally bigger. People, <laughs> yeah. It is marginally. There are people who read our website that really like Apple. Yeah. <laughs> if they do something. If they have a port, they have a plug. It's better. L- listen, Lightning. Or the main benefit of USB-C is that it's universal with things that aren't made by Apple. That's the main reason. Lightning is basically US. It's like Apple's version of USB C. It's a it's a it's an ambidextrous port. It's Apple's USB-C. version of like USB two. Like so, two two issues with Lightning is it's very limited. We're we're at the limit of how much power it can transmit and how much data it can transmit. The data thing isn't as big a deal on most of these devices because we're not transmitting data over wires to our iPhones and i and airpods and stuff like that like that's not really a thing people do that's like a debug thing more than anything else but the power thing is like apple can't make anything charge faster over lightning than where we're at now like we're we're kind of they're kind of done so if you want anything to ever charge faster you you're not going to get it with lightning whether that's USB-C or anything else you can argue and i think USB-C is a good choice because it's got plenty of legs for that plug has plenty of legs for the future and supports Thunderbolt and all this display port and all this other stuff. Regardless of the fact that the EU is making them do it, I think this is going to be a good thing because it's going to enable Apple to say, oh, well, look, you can charge your AirPods in 15 minutes or something. Like they're going to get there. Particularly AirPods, like that doesn't need lightning. USB-C is fine because there's no there's no there's no concern about thinness or smallness or anything like that, and we already have USB-C cables. It's not like it's not like the other Apple products don't have Macs have them, iPads have them. Yeah. So, AirPods switching to USB will be, in my estimation, an absolute non-issue for most people. Ninety-nine percent of people won't even notice it. Right. They'll go to plug in a Lightning. Oh, it's not this. It's this one. Yeah. It's still reversible. It still sticks in when you click it in and everything and all that other, you know, the other end of it's already USB-C on all of Apple's products. Like there's no more, nothing, nothing ships with a USB-A power charger anymore. Right. But watch was the last Uh, to go. Right. That was, yeah, I don't believe so. Yeah. 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 That That was the last one. So the Apple watch charger, little puck cord. Now has a USB C on the end, and I think that was the last one to switch yeah. over. If I'm if memory serves, because they don't give you one. Uh, the, no, the one that they give you in like AirPods Pro and stuff, that cable, that's USB C too. I don't remember which one was last, but they're all the other end of it's USB C. So mm-hmm. it's just yeah, just it's fine. Everyone's going to be like, good. Now I don't even know, need to worry which side of it I plug into which thing, <laughs> right? Going to be the same on both ends, so. Doesn't Apple want to move you to MagSafe anyway? I don't think they can. Well, first of all, the, I don't know if the EU law, law permits it for for a certain categories of devices to, to not have a charge port at all and just be this proprietary wireless charger. But they that's that's issues with not from a, not so much from a user standpoint, except that it is slow and and inefficient. But they want a data plug for 
programming, loading firmware onto them in the factory, debugging, all that other kind of stuff. They need a data plug. They could, they could kind of do that stuff wirelessly, but that's worse in a lot of ways. And I think uh, the thing where like Apple's just going to ditch ports entirely and go fully wireless, I think, uh, that's, I don't think that's a foregone conclusion. Well, that does it for this episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 804. Thanks to Jason Cross. Thank you. Thanks to Michael Simon. Thank you, sir. And thanks to you, the audience. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to the Macworld Podcast in the podcast app on Spotify, on Amazon Music, or through any other podcast app. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com or contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld, or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld Podcast as we talk about the latest in the world of Apple. See you next time. 